At Ready Lee Hauling Services, we offer dumpster services for residential and commercial moving, storm cleanup, eviction hauling or any type of hauling. Just give us a call or text at 281-451-7980 or email readyleehauling at gmail.com. You're listening to FPI Unsolved. In this episode, we're speaking with family member Yolanda Tillies, whose aunt was murdered by her ex-husband, or was it a possession? And why was her murder never reported? An ongoing murder investigation FPI Unsolved is delving into. Here's your host, managing investigator and broadcast producer Regina Romain. Hi, Yolanda. Hey, how are you? Good, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. All right. You sound like you're either tired or you sound very solemn. Yes, I am. Just like the whole thought of everything with my aunt and her murder. And, you know, sometimes I have good days, sometimes I don't. And like today is kind of one of those days where, you know, I've been thinking about her. Yeah, she's been on my mind. I miss her. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry to hear that because the first thing I want to say again about that, you know, because I'm sorry the way your aunt died. Thank you. Right. Yeah, you know, Yolanda's aunt was murdered by her ex-husband, but never charged. We're trying to help the family find closure. You know, the ex confessed to the murder on his deathbed. We still do not know. We still don't know how he killed her. He died in hospice before we could speak with him. And the thing I want to say to you again, uh, also, Yolanda, uh, I'm, I'm angry. I'm really angry because, you know, the murder was never reported as a murder. Police said it was inconclusive. You know, I'm, I'm mad about that part. Exactly. You know, just the, just the fact that it was never reported. And you were saying something about the family, you know, because I was like, well, why didn't they just move forward? I know that's your aunt, you know, so you can really do too much. But, you know, talk a little about that, because I'm I'm still trying to wrap my head around why it wasn't pushed. It's pretty much everyone was pointing a finger at who should do it. And they just dropped the ball. Like, I guess after so, so much time went by, I guess they just kind of figured, well, you know, it's done now. And I mean, they never really just spoke on it anymore. But I mean, I always think about it and I always want to know like exactly what happened because it had to be something for him to try to get it off his chest. I guess thinking that he was making himself right with God by confessing to what he did. Um, You know, he told his best friend or friend or whatever, you know, what he did, but I don't know if he told him exactly what and how he done it, like how he carried out, carried out the murder of my aunt. Yeah. You know, your aunt's ex, you know, I know you don't like to call him your uncle. That's why I'm saying your aunt's ex. Thank you, because I cannot yeah. him. Um, From what he told some of our family, they were laughing and talking. She was sitting on the sofa. You know, they were in the living room. And um, they she was laughing or whatever. And the next thing he remembers is she stopped breathing. And he called for help. By the time... My parents made it to the hospital because I didn't go because I had a small baby at the time. By the time they made it to the hospital, um, she was um, pronounced dead. Um, He wasn't there. He never came to the hospital. 
her daughter, I guess she finally made it or whatever. Um, at first when I called her daughter, she was like, oh, I'll go later. Um, I'm assuming she just figured that it wasn't, you know, serious that, you know, she would be out or whatever. So by the time I spoke with her daughter again, um, you know, after she was pronounced dead and, um, all of that stuff, she left the hospital and my mom waited, you know, for the funeral home to pick up the body. Um, in that short period of time, let's say, um, it was less than two hours for sure. She went to their house, which is maybe 15 or 20 minutes away from the hospital. And by Mm -hmm. the time she arrived there, the only thing that was left out of the fully furnished house uh, was two suitcases in my aunt's purse. That's all that was left. All of the furniture was gone. All of my aunt's clothes, decorations, everything. My aunt had a lot of flowers and stuff. All of that, everything was gone. And my aunt had a very nice house and kept it, you know, decorated really nice. And everything was gone. Yeah, he was trying to uh, clean that house up because, you know, we could get evidence. And everything. He was trying to hide the evidence or trying to clean up the evidence with evidence because you're not going to clean up that house that fast after your wife, well, ex-wife, you know, died that, that you know, it seemed like when she died and that was really quick. You know, exactly. so he cleaned that, that house out to hide evidence. And as fast as it was cleaned out, the house was cleaned out, he had to have help from family or friends or somebody. Right. So to me, it's like for them to arrive there that fast, somebody had to know that he was planning on doing this. Yeah, exactly. Somebody had to know that he was planning on doing this, so he had to have help. They mm-hmm. had to know what was going on or something to help him clean that house that fast. And then right. on top of all of that, um, he just went and started going around telling people that he was in fear for his life and all of that because of my family. And my thing is, why would you feel that way if you didn't do, at that time he was saying he didn't do anything to her. She just died. But right. why would you feel like that if you didn't do anything to her? So, you know, he was kind of the things that he w- was telling people, he was kind of telling off on himself anyway. Right. And so when it came time for like funeral arrangements and all of that, of course, he was nowhere in sight. He did. He claimed he didn't have her insurance policy information, but my aunt kept a job and I'm pretty sure she had life insurance on her job. You know, we all got together and pitched in to pay for my aunt's funeral and made sure that it was very nice. And um, his family didn't offer anything, not even so much as to bring bread to the repast. They didn't offer anything. And they didn't respect my aunt enough to even show up at the funeral. My aunt's sister-in-law, which is not even his sister, but his brother's wife. His brother's wife showed up and one of her daughters. Those were the only two people that showed up. And so the aunt, which is his sister-in-law by his brother she's not blood related to him but of course her child is but other than that nobody in his family showed up not even his mom you know that goes again to Yolanda's like even though that's family trying to help they know what he did like you said how he cleaned the house up that fast and then the family know what he's doing too and they're trying to help him you know I'm that's to me that's kind of crazy that's just really crazy because you don't even have family trying to get things resolved exactly and that's how I feel, too. Throughout the process, like I said, you know, they never came around or tried to reach out to um, my aunt's kids or anything like that. But when he was sick and on his deathbed, then they wanted to make it a priority 
that the kids were there, even though he's never done anything for them, but abused them in every way. So I don't understand why they try to make it a point for them to be there for him in his final days. And my cousin, she went, um, you know, as he went her when he was on his deathbed. I don't know why she went because, I mean, to me, like she should have came running for her mom right. before running to his deathbed. Like he right. she took her time going to yeah, she took her time going to your aunt's uh, hospital bed, but she ran to her father's. Yeah, room. yeah. And I don't think he should have even gotten that satisfaction when he uh, passed or whatever. His family had the nerve to think that our family was going to allow him to rest his final day. I mean, you know, his not his final days, but rest his body next to my aunt's in the graveyard. And our family plot. They thought that he was going to be buried next to her. Said to have the nerve for his last request to be yeah. buried beside her, like they're yeah, real. See, I'm, I'm just saying, I don't want to say what I was getting ready to say, Yolanda. I was going to say, <laughs> I'd be glad he was already on that deathbed because somebody would have got him right then. Exactly. Well, my mom was like, no, you know, not at all. And so we, the family, made sure that that did not happen. Right. How, what, what a slap in the face. How do they think that that's going to be right for him to be buried next to her? And then, oh, let me go back to the part about the life insurance. So he lied, like he didn't have life insurance on her. And mm -hmm. um, after her funeral and everything was paid for, um, he like he was in Louisiana from what I heard, um, because he was supposedly so in fear for his life. He was in Louisiana, and then a few months after, I guess he got the life insurance policy paid out or whatever. I don't know, like. Um, it was maybe three months, maybe sooner, I don't know. But he received the money from the, the life insurance that he claimed mm -hmm. he didn't have. And he bought right. him a truck, a motorcycle, and he went to the Bahamas. And so mm -hmm. when he came back to show you how God doesn't like ugly, he ended up um, messing up the truck. And then shortly after that, he had a wreck and messed up the bike. Because that's after your aunt died, he got that life insurance, right? Uh-huh, and he started buying yeah, That's stuff. what he wanted. Mm -hmm. And had my aunt's car and all of her possessions. And, like, my aunt had, um, like, all of the pictures from my wedding, my aunt had those um, because she was preparing them for me. She didn't get a chance to even give me the pictures. So I only had mm -hmm. one picture from my wedding. Leading up to um, all of the stuff with him, you know, dying of cancer and suffering like he should have. He was driving to Baytown because he was always with some other crackheaded looking lady because he used to always cheat on my aunt as well. I know that the police ended up stopping him and they rushed him to the hospital. And that was the very moment around that time he found out that he had cancer. Mm -hmm. And then right. from that day on, it's like his his health declined more and more and more. Like he, he literally suffered. Right. His final days on earth. Yeah, like you said, yeah, God doesn't like ugly. And yeah, he was going to uh, get what he, you know, he was eventually going to get it, get his. He was eventually going to get his. That's when, you know, he was speaking on his death, on his deathbed, you know, that he killed your aunt, you know, and telling the best friend what he did. You know, and like, like I was saying, you, you're going to sit there and tell the best friend, you know, that you, you killed your wife. You know, I don't know if he told him because of the insurance or whatever, you know what I mean? You know, so if he killed her and knew how to get away with it, 
who else did he murder? You know, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And then he's the type that every time the church doors are open, he's in church pretending that he's such a Christian person and he's yeah, exactly not, he's far from. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and, and that's another way he used to try to manipulate my aunt and her daughter, which they have four kids together, but um, the daughter is the only one that he can pretty much try to manipulate. The, the other three right. kids, the boys, they kind of just do them all, them, their own thing. So he can't right. do that to them. But he would right. like use God and church and stuff to control their lives. And I remember you saying with your, uh, the man you don't want to call, you know, the uncle, you know, you were telling me that you were thinking maybe he was possessed because Yolanda's aunt live in an area here in Texas where they filmed poltergeist, but yeah, the Black Hope Curse. Okay, because this is the thing, you know, I don't want to give him that. He could have been possessed because, you know, uh, your aunt married a demon. Mm -hmm. I don't want to give him that. Probably not possessed, just evil. Just evil. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That could have played some parts in things because of where she lived in that area because, you know, those homes are on a cemetery. You know, it's a lot of evil and it's a lot of things going on in that area anyway. Those uh, spirits and things are not at risk because, you know, these homes are on, you know, a graveyard, you know, a cemetery. Mm -hmm. You know, so. It is. It's terrible. And um, like you said, that, you know, maybe that played a part in it. But the, it may have played maybe a, a low percentage of what he did. It may have pushed him to do it. But mm -hmm. like you said, he was already a demon. So whatever evil spirit was leaning around him, it, you know, it, it, it did push him over the edge, but that's just in his nature anyway, because like I said, um, from my understanding, from um, my cousins, which are his kids, his mom believed in voodoo. So mm -hmm. even evilness is just what he was raised on anyway, mm -hmm. because that's the, the type of life that he's always lived. You know, because the picture you showed me of him, the picture you showed me, he he does look kind of evilish, yeah, like a demon, he like a demon, yeah, look like a demon, evil devil. He he just looks like he's crazy. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, we're not gonna show his picture anywhere. You know, we're not we're not doing that. Um, but yeah, you know, the investigators, you know, we have seen him and we know how he looked, and we were even trying to speak with him before he passed. You know, when he was on his on his uh, deathbed. Mm -hmm. You know, we got there a little too late. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah, he paid past going back and forth trying to speak with him, you know, and then getting cut off and things like that. And you know, a few hours, you know, it's like a, in a few hours, and then he passed. Mm -hmm. uh, because, yeah, if you want to speak to the best friend, okay, you should be wanting to speak with us. That's right. You know, so that's what we're doing next. Uh, we're going to be speaking to the best friend. We want to see exactly what he told him because we knew he told him something about how he killed his wife. Mm hmm. Speak with him now. If the best friend can go all the way over to your parents' house and tell them, your parents have never met this best friend, but he made sure he went over there to tell your uh, parents that he killed his wife, ex-wife. I mean, he killed his ex-wife. That's right. He killed right, and he, you, you're saying he never met him, met them, right? Well, they they knew of him, but they didn't like socialize with him no. or know him like that right. for him to go over there and you know knock on the door and tell them that type of information so mm -hmm. it was like they didn't you know they didn't know him like that right yeah it was like he wants to speak he wants to mm -hmm. say something so what made him go go to your parents house you know maybe he's 
feeling like he don't want to be blamed either or know something that he wanted to get it out. Yeah, that's what I'm that's thinking. How, that's how I'm looking at it. That's how yeah. I'm looking at it too. And I mean, he is like the missing piece of the puzzle. Like he would be the one to like basically just, you know, let let the family know exactly what happened. Like we know he killed her. We know that. But right. we want to know like how. Like, what did he do? I did have a dream, and my aunt was in the dream telling me something about her head, like a little pinhole on the left side, middle of her head. But it was like a very short dream, and mm -hmm. so I was just assuming maybe it was some type of, some kind of a solution or something he had in a needle, and he stuck it in her head. Like, that's the only thing that I can come up with. With that dream. Right, because you were telling me you were thinking maybe she was poisoned. You know, we don't know, but maybe she was poisoned. I know she used to wear like um, tracks in her hair or whatever because she does, they, they used to wear it back then, but she used to always have her hair done. So I guess he figured if he, you know, stuck the needle there and put the solution or whatever, even with the autopsy, they wouldn't notice it. Because of her hair, right. and her hair was out of place or whatever, so they wouldn't notice that. So, I, well, they're not going to try to, you know, to try to find anything to look anyway because nobody's pushing them and no one made them. Nobody's uh, trying to see what happened. They're just saying, hey, okay, well, it's a woman we found dead in her house. That's true. And that's it. You know, especially being a black woman. Mm -hmm. And they're going to say that. That's true. You know, nobody's going to go out of their way to try to solve a crime or try to see what happened. They're not going to do that. And that's for the family to push also. And that's for like with us working with FBI to expose. Yeah. All right. And you know, I think that was your aunt telling you how she was killed. I think so. You know, in that dream, you know, they, you know, people come to you through the dreams. I think so. Through dreams. You know? Yeah. I think so too. And I'm not saying like my aunt, she wasn't perfect. Nobody's perfect. But before right. she passed, she tried to right her wrong. I mean, I just, I feel that she knew something. You know, they used to fight all the time, physically fight. So I don't know if he must have threatened her or she just had a feeling. But I think she knew something because, like, around October of the year prior to her um, dying, she was going around, like, trying to get the family together, talking, like, just saying stuff that um, she told my great aunt, like, you know, she felt bad that she wasn't more involved in her kids' lives and didn't do more for them. But it was basically because of him. And she right. she opened up to mine and was just saying how terrible she felt about that and how she wanted to make amends with her kids. And then, like, even, you know, with me, um, she knew I was pregnant with my, my youngest child. And I wasn't at home, but she left me a note and left, I think, like, two to $400 in this little decoration thing that I had on my porch and she called and told me about it or whatever. And normally I keep notes or whatever. And for some reason I threw that one away and I never throw cards or notes that somebody writes to me. I never throw it away because it's sentimental, mm -hmm. but I don't know why I ended up throwing that away. And to this day, I think about that. And I just regret that I threw it away. I wish I would have put it in my baby book. You know, but right. I didn't, right. she didn't get a chance to meet my daughter, but I didn't get it to do that with her because, you know, he took her life. For no reason at all, other than trying to get some money or uh, like I'm saying, uh, if he was that comfortable with doing something like that and even with family and people not reporting that, mm -hmm. you know, or just even suspecting anything, 
Yeah. What else? Has, what else did he do? Yeah. What else did he do? Yeah. And that's true. Yeah. That's true. Right. Because the type of person mm-hmm. he is, I don't put anything past him. Mm-hmm. I don't put anything because, like I said, I don't trust people. I don't put anything past a person. You know, if you're gonna take another person's life mm-hmm. for whatever reason, and then you, of course, you're gonna talk about it on your deathbed or. I'm gonna say he wasn't bragging to the to the best friend, but I, that's how I'm gonna take it. Are you gonna yeah. brag to the best friend or whoever what you did? No, he okay. That's that's the thing. It wasn't okay. on his deathbed that he told a friend. He told his friend that before he even found out he had cancer. Like after, oh, okay. Now see, yeah. So after, so it was kind of like bragging because after he told the friend or whatever. Like I said, I don't know the exact details. But the friend like shot away from him and was like, no, if you that, you know, you're going to do that to her. She's a good woman. Then, you know, I, I'm not going to even deal with you like that. So, no, no, no. It was not on his deathbed. That's how evil he is. Mm-hmm. It was before that. And then shortly after he admit, like shortly after that, that's when he, you know, the whole thing with the cancer. And while he was on his deathbed, that's when his friend went to my parents' house and told me okay. what happened. Sorry, oh, yeah. probably, you probably just, you know, I, I confused you, but yeah. Oh, no, it's okay. No, I'm, I'm just saying still, you know, the best friend knew, but yeah, not the best friend going to tell, tell your parents, you know, when he's on his deathbed so nobody can do anything. Pretty much. You know, even if he knew and he had cancer, you know, he would go to jail or something like mm-hmm. that, you know, he would die in jail. That's pretty much what happened. But in the end, he got it worse than my aunt did. And he should. And he should. You know, that's another reason why uh, we're going to speak with this best friend. We need to speak with him. And, you know, I'm pretty sure he has other information that he can share with us, you know, because we're trying to help you guys, you know, with the family about, the, you know, with closure. Uh, you guys want to know how she died. You, you knew up front, like I tell people, you know, when things are in plain sight and usually what you think you know or don't know, that's usually the killer, the person who's doing something. Exactly. You know, you guys knew he killed her. Yes, we all did, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. We all did. You knew he killed her, yeah. You know, you don't have justice for that, okay? He died before you can get justice and get 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 something done about him, you know? But then that goes back to the family, too, because the family wasn't willing to push it and help, you know, you know on the other side of the family. You know, that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you being the niece, you can't, you know, make, the police or anybody do anything, you know, about what happened. You know, uh, immediate family has to do something. Exactly. That's like I want to speak with the best friend because, yeah, he knows a little bit more probably than what he's saying. Anyway, he know he knew enough. I appreciate him going to your parents yeah. and saying, hey, this is what happened. You know, he went a little too late, you know, but maybe he didn't feel right or was maybe thinking you know, he was going to be blamed. Or maybe you know? he didn't know how to just come out and said I don't know but hmm. I appreciate that he did have the courage to come and speak up for my aunt I, I do respect that part but mm-hmm. yeah I mean maybe he should have did it sooner but yeah but mm-hmm. hopefully mm-hmm. when we talk to him or you talk to him and investigate it we can get some closure and that's why I reached out to FPI because I you know was researching and I saw the cases that y'all were working and I just felt like FPI would be you know, great to try to help my family and and get this resolved. Right. And we appreciate that. And we want families to contact us so we can help you because we're serious about what we do. And, you know, like I said, we're about 
closure. We want to find closure for you. If we can't get it 100% resolved, you know, we're trying to solve the case, you know, but at least we're going to find closure for you, you know, because most of these cases, they're already solved. Just people are not working to do it. True. And that's been proven. That's been proven, you know, and anyone who's listening, you know, you can go to our TikTok page, FPI Justice. You can see what we're talking about here because we show everything on uh, our TikTok page, FPI Justice, on what we're dealing with. You know, uh, you can see a visual there. And I just want to say that I, I am very, very thankful for your organization, for you, you know, for FPI. Um, you know, just taking the time to listen to everything and answering calls and emails and things like that, no matter what time of the day or night. And, you know, just being very concerned and understanding, almost like a counselor. Like, it's, it's helped me a lot right. with FPI about what's going on and knowing that they're trying to resolve it for my family. All right. Thank you. Yeah, that's what we're here for. You know, mm-hmm. you know we're all real. We're not just here through the podcast or on the computer, everything. We are real people, you know. Yes. And uh, I want to, um, I would like to thank the audience for listening and my guest, Yolanda. This is an ongoing investigation, so check back with us for the next episode. Okay. I'll see you next time. Okay, and again, thank you, FPI, for uh, accepting my phone call when I reached out to you guys, my email when I reached out to you guys regarding my case. Thank you so much for accepting it. And, um, Basically, just helping my family get closure. Yeah, thank you. And we want to help. And again, thank you for reaching out to us. Funded mainly through advertisement and donations, FPI Unsolved is an independent production of FPI Justice for Victims' Families, a 501c3 nonprofit. FPI Unsolved is hosted, directed, and executive produced by Regina Romaine. Follow FPI Unsolved on Apple Podcast, Amazon Music, Spotify, and all other podcast platforms. Our website can be found at fpijustice.org. To find us on Facebook and TikTok, search FPI and FPI Justice.